0: Introduce that topic by sharing my own personal experience of caregiving uh, when Wanda was injured one time. And I'll just go ahead and tell you up front it's not a pretty story. You know, I uh, probably failed the test, so you'll have to come back next week and hear me t- confess to you about uh, my caregiving uh, for Wanda, okay? Hey, let's uh, revisit some of our scriptures, and we'll have a prayer here in a moment. Children's children are crowned to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. And as I, if I were to pause there it says hey I will declare to the next generation what I will declare God's power how about I would declare God's hope I would declare God's salvation I would declare God's grace I would declare God's mercy I would declare God's glory to the next generation And all who are to come. Oh, uh, you grandchildren are special, but you as grandparents are special. As you have a special role in declaring God's faithfulness to the next generations. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Uh, that, uh, that's not a suggestion. That's an expectation that we as grandparents not only teach our children, but teach God's faithfulness to our grandchildren. It's, it's in fact a responsibility, uh, isn't it? And for how long? for as long as you live. How about that? Is that long enough? That sounds like long enough to me. It reminds me of one of our quotes that we said a number of weeks ago. We're in a raging battle for the hearts of our children, and I would suggest grandchildren, that begins at the cradle and will never end this side of our grave. Could we maybe expand that a little bit? We're in a raging battle for the hearts, the minds, the character, and the very faith of our children and our grandchildren that begins at the cradle and should never end this side of our grave. Oh, you and I will be doing battle for the hearts and minds of our children and our grandchildren for as long as we live. Is that long enough? Yeah, that's long enough. Hey, someone shared something with me. I appreciate when you share with me some things that you've seen And uh, this was brought to me, I like it, grandparents, grandparents are very kind. When you are sad, they pick you up when you are down and make you smile when you have a frown. They read you books of Winnie the Pooh and give you things for Christmas too. They send you gifts on your birthday and blow you kisses on Valentine's Day. They say they hope your bed is made and hope you get through. The fifth grade. <laughs> How about that? Thank you for sharing those things with me from week to week. Let's uh, let's pause for prayer, Father. A few weeks back, and I do th- thank Cecil for teaching class last week while we were visiting our grandchildren. A few weeks ago, if you recall, we were talking about uh, grandparents are special prayer warriors. For their grandchildren, you pray for them every day and twice on their birthday. Do you remember that? And we talked about some things you pray for. You pray for their faithfulness and their salvation. You pray for their education and their careers. You pray for their uh, future mates. You pray for the influences in your. In their lives, and we talked about some strategies you might would employ to do that. Maybe a prayer calendar where you put their events and and their prayer needs uh, uh, on a calendar, and you hold them up in prayer. We looked at several strategies that you might employ. My lovely wife reminded me afterwards. She said, "Steve, tell them to pray those things in front of their grandchildren." with their grandchildren pray for all of those things we talked about a few weeks ago you do that with your grandchildren let them hear you holding them up and and for a special future of faithfulness before god but there was one story i didn't have time to get to and i thought you might permit me to regress a moment and share it with you Uh, the point is letting them know that you're praying for them. Uh, We sat, here's the story, we sat in the bleachers waiting for a football game to begin, and a row of college students sat behind us, and we couldn't help but listening in. You do that too, don't you? At the football game or something, you'll listen in to those folks behind you. So the story goes like this. So they're listening to these college students behind them. Trish, you're home. How was it Italy? <clears throat> it was totally, totally mega awesome. Oh, yeah? How about the boys? That's what I was talking about. Oh, did you have a lot of dates and stuff? Plenty of dates, but no stuff. Oh, yeah. Are the guys kind of weird? No, they were great. But you didn't even? I didn't even kiss any. Really? Why not? I was only there two weeks. Besides, my grandma kept putting the pressure on me. You went to Italy with your grandma? No, she stayed in her apartment in Los Angeles. Well, how did she? See, on the day I left for Europe, she sent me this little card with some money for the trip and a note that said, Trish, I know you'll have a great time. I'll be praying for you every day. Yeah, so what? Well, when my granny says she'll be praying, she means it. She's the type who gets down on her knees and really prays. So I'm over in Italy, and every time I get, in this, I get this notion to go off the wild end, I picture her praying. You've got to be kidding. Nope. So that ruined your trip? Not really. I had a great time. Watch this and I have no regrets. What more could I ask for? I could think of a couple, th- couple of things. Yeah, well, I bet you don't have a granny like mine. Hey, isn't that neat? The power of praying for your grandchildren playing out in the life of Trish. How about that? Oh, you have, you're special prayer warriors, and you have a special influence. Well, our conversation today might be a little more difficult on several fronts because we conclude with uh, a somewhat challenging topic, I guess, uh, two things Satan uses to keep grandparents out of the game. Like, what, what are some of the barriers to grandparenting? What are some of the roadblocks that get in the way of our being, the influence We need to be in the lives of our grandchildren. Uh, I used some material from uh, uh, Holman here, and I'll share some of his thoughts to you. Mark Holman. He says two things that keep you out of the game. What do you mean by out of the game? Where you are sitting on the sidelines? You're in the bleachers. You become more of an observer than a participant. I think that's what we're saying when we say, hey, Out of the game, you're on the sidelines. He says two things that will uh, keep you out of the game. One will be guilt for perhaps what you didn't do, or perhaps for what, if you could do it again, you would do it differently. Uh, Most of you have heard me say before in this or some other class that, hey, if I had it over again, I think I could be a better husband. That's true. And hey, if I had it to do over again, I think I could be a better parent. I think that's true. And uh, I've got my regrets. I've got things that I would do differently if I could do them again. And perhaps, I don't know, perhaps God allows us with our grandchildren to maybe do some things a little better than maybe we did for our own children. Right? In terms of our... Influence. So some of us can be immobilized by this sense of guilt of what we didn't do right. Or, let me back up again, fear. And perhaps you look at your grandchildren and say, I don't relate very well to this generation and their technology and their devices. You know, the, the devices that frankly do annoy me at times, uh, these things... Uh, I thought everybody had one of these. I was actually talking to someone a few weeks ago that said, hey, I'm like, well, I'll send you a text message. And she says, oh, we don't text, and, but we're learning. She says, we're learning. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, uh, you know, we can, we can maybe have a certain anxiety about some of that. And if we're not careful, we become more observers than so we want to look at some specific roadblocks and maybe some strategies that we could employ um, as we would seek to be a greater influence in the life of our grandchildren. I, I'm here to tell you, I've already said it before, we're challenging ourselves to raise the bar. We're challenging ourselves to raise the level of expectation we have for ourselves. And I want you to hear me, hey, I'm talking to Steve. I've been challenging myself over recent weeks that, hey, yes, I need to be more proactive. I even texted my uh, daughter-in-law a few days ago, and I said, you know, Wanda is so out in front when it comes to children and grandchildren. For one thing, she does have more time, admittedly. And she is so out in front and planning, and, and I, I, said, I said to my daughter-in-law, I said that sometimes perhaps I'm willing to take a back seat, and I don't want to take a back seat any longer. So I'm challenging Steve to raise the bar and level of expectation for himself. Roadblock number one, failure to recognize the need. Um, Actually, that's not from Holman, that's from me. (laughs) Perhaps we failed to recognize the need and As the scripture suggested a moment ago, even the responsibility that we have for our children and our grandchildren. It might be that you look at your grandchildren and they seem to be doing okay during the formative years. You know what I mean by formative years? During the early stages of childhood uh, in particular. Uh, and, And maybe even into the middle stages of childhood. They seem to be doing Uh, just fine, and their parents seem to be doing a a great job. And if you're not careful, you'll think, hey, it's okay to be an observer. They're doing okay. I'm not particularly needed uh, at this time in terms of my influence. But I'm here to suggest to you that the influence that you develop in those early stages of childhood is the foundation for the influence that becomes increasingly important at least for some of them during the stormy years of adolescence some of your grandchildren are going to experience some stormy years of adolescence you know what I mean we had a compliant child our son and it's like I've told you before you'd have a dozen if they were all like him you know adolescence what uh, wasn't particularly challenging I only remember two times when I really had to get his attention you know taking him by the shirt collar and you know, two times, and that's pretty good. And then we had, a, uh, uh, we had a daughter who was much more of the strong-willed child, right? And, hey, there were some stormy periods of adolescence. And so the, you need to recognize that the relationship you develop in those early years are foundational to perhaps a very important influence you have during a more difficult time. Of childhood. You with me? You with me? Uh, failure to recognize the need. A uh, number two roadblock to grandparenting. Distance is a roadblock. It's like some of us are geographically distant from our grandchildren, and that complicates things, that makes it more challenging. But fortunately, today, there's a number of strategies we can employ. Wow, with the technology that's available today, uh, you can do all sorts of creative things, even from a long distance. You know, the book that I told you about, Grandpa Says, was uh, Robert Hall's effort to influence his grandchildren from a long distance. He had a Grandpa Says envelope, and he would write them Uh, some lesson of life each week and mail it to them, and that was his way of influencing them from a long distance. Well, we have, with technology, we have far more uh, opportunities to interact with them uh, even though they are geographically uh, distant from us. So with our cell phones, uh, texting, and FaceTime, I was even talking to Wanda this morning about making a video, Uh, I may mention this again later, with, with the springtime. I'm always fascinated with springtime, and I like gardening and yard work, and I think it's because in the craziness of the world, when I get out among my flowers and I see life and I see blooms, I'm reminded that the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork, and if I were to edit that passage, I would say, and his gardens do too. (laughs) So I was talking to Wanda this morning about, you know, why don't we make a video where we're talking about our faith. In the beginning, God created what? A garden. And we walk around the yard and we show this new springtime growth. And we share how it is an evidence to us of God's handiwork and a foundation for our faith. And we send that video to our grandchildren. So with technology, there's a lot of things we can do, right? Even from a long distance. So write letters, yes, and I really, uh, uh, or be creative in that, I remember a few weeks ago, Uh, Someone sharing, hey, I send them a snack pack each week, and in that snack pack I've got a scripture, math problem, and I have a question for them where they have to respond to us. You can do creative things like that from a long distance. Visit, you might not like the next part of this one, but (laughs) if it's hard for you to go visit them, perhaps... Perhaps you may have the resources to pay for them to come visit you. Uh, Is Sam still in Washington, or he got back, is he preaching somewhere probably today? But I think he's been the last week or so. They have a a family tradition, I guess you would say, when his grandchild turns 13 years old, they take him to Washington, D.C. and spend a week walking and talking right? Yeah, does it cost some money? Yeah, it costs some money. But if need be, you pay for them to come see you. So distance is a challenge, but it's not nearly the challenge it was in the past. Hey, let me just pause here. I'm doing a lot of talking. Does someone have uh, something you do, long distance, that works well for you? Anybody that you want to add? chair. You just wave a flag if you get ready to throw something in here, all right? Roadblock number three. Roadblock number three, apprehension. Some of you may be just a bit apprehensive about, uh, uh, you know, your role and responsibility as a grandparent, and and uh, it may be part of that fear factor that may Uh, entice you to be an observer more than a participant. And so let me suggest some things that might uh, be helpful. Uh, Determine something you want to do uh, to be an influence. So it may be like the example of the weekly snack. You determine something that you can do well. I mean, I think in these past weeks we've been throwing out a lot of ideas. I hope so and strategies and things. Well, you don't need to employ all of them. But maybe you want to focus on one of them that you will do particularly well. Maybe it's the prayer journal that we talked about the last time where you get one of those monthly calendars and you're writing your grandchildren's activities and events and stresses and all on your calendar, and you commit to being a prayer warrior. Maybe that's what you do well. But you identify something that you want to do and do it well and commit to that. You may need to ask permission, depending on what it is. You may need to say, hey, this is what I'd like to commit to. Is it okay if I do this on a weekly basis? Is it okay if I call them or send them or something? You may want to ask permission. And, of course, you need to follow through if you're going to say, this is what I'm going to do. You need to be consistent about doing those things and then always be thankful for the opportunity you have to do those things. We uh, we are so thankful that uh, my son and daughter-in-law, uh, parents of our three grandchildren, are so open to our doing things with them. So we can travel and, and if, you know, Nani and Poppy want to take the grandchildren and go up to Silver Dollar City while, you know, the kids are on their jobs, that's okay with them. They very much encourage us to spend kind of one-on-three, two-on-three time with them. And uh, so we're thankful for that. Number four, feeling inadequate. Uh, I know I probably face some of that. I feel rather inadequate at times in terms of, uh, of my influence and doing more and, and perhaps time is part of that. But if you have a sense of feeling inadequate, I would uh, suggest to you that uh, remember that your life experiences are greater than your inadequacies. Can I say that again? Remember that your life experience. What you have seen, what scripture is referring to as to what your eyes have seen and what you have heard. And you, uh, a witness of the faithfulness of God. Oh, your experiences far outweigh any inadequacies. Uh, You remember, uh, I mentioned Robert Hall in the book Grandpa Says. Well, later on, he wrote another book called Grandpa Remembers which has the stories. And after our class a few weeks ago, someone from the audience shared with me how they're sharing the stories. Eddie, can you do that for us? You can come up here if you'd like.
1: I don't, I don't know if I can hold this and talk because I talk with my hands. So it's going to be tough. Uh, I was telling Steve that I never knew any of my grandparents. Uh, My father was the youngest of nine children, and by the time I came along, his parents were were both dead. Same thing with my mother. Uh, My grandfather on her side was dead. My grandmother on her side was still alive, but she was very, very old, and I never really had any kind of relationship with her. And it was a long time before I realized how much I had missed out because I never knew any of my grandparents. And then I got to thinking several years ago, you know, that might happen to to my grandkids. I might die and they won't know anything about me. So I wrote a book. And it was basically about my experiences growing up in Montgomery, Alabama during the 1950s and 60s. Now, I realized that not... Everyone can write a book. You know, you don't have the time or the inclination or or the ability to do that. But what you can do is you can sit down and get a legal pad and a pen, and you can sit down and write your own personal history. You know, and you can start out with when and where were you born? Who were your parents? What was their history? give you an example of mine. My grandmother on my father's side was a Creek Indian, okay? My grandfather on my mother's side was a Frenchman, so my DNA is all over the place, you know? But that is something that my grandchild will probably love to hear about someday, okay? But then, you know, you can go in and talk about your brothers and sisters and where you lived and what it was like to grow up in those days and what you did for fun and if there were any funny stories. And then you can talk about your high school age. Where did you go to high school? Did you play in the band? Did you play football? Were you a cheerleader or a majorette or something like that? They'll love to hear that kind of stuff. And then you talk about your marriage. You know, where did you meet your husband or wife? You know, what did you know? What attracted you to that person? Where did you get married? You know, where was? Where'd you go on your honeymoon? Uh, Where was your first house? What was the rent? You know, things like that that, you know, they would love to hear, but they'll probably never get that information from you because they'll never think to ask about it, okay? Especially when they're young. And then you can go in and talk about your own children and what kind of kids they were and any funny stories about, you know, what your own kids did, their parents did. But... The kicker is, is when you get down to the end, you can start throwing in other stuff like, you know, mistakes that you made or regrets that you have, and and if you had to, uh, the chance to live your life over again, what would you do differently? And then you can throw in some advice about uh, things that uh, you know, in your opinion, would help them live a a happier life. You know, throw in advice. And then at the very end, you can tell them how much you love them and then tell them what your hopes and dreams are for their futures. And especially some of you men, if you're like me, I write a lot better than I talk as it's pretty obvious right now. But, you know, I find it hard to, to talk about some of those things one-on-one, but I can sit down and I can write And I can pour out my feelings on paper, whereas, you know, one-on-one it would be hard for me to do that. Okay. doesn't have to be long. When, you know, when you finish it, get it typed up, maybe eight or ten pages long. That's it. You know, the shorter the better, but if it's too long, they'll probably get bored with it. But then when you finish that, throw in some pictures. A picture of you when you were a child. A, A wedding picture. Uh, And for sure, throw in a picture of when you were holding that grandchild as a baby. That will mean so much to them someday. You get through with it, slap it in a uh, term paper cover, put it in your safety deposit box. Then after you're gone, they will have that, and it will be a prized possession. I guarantee you, if there were so many questions I would have liked to have asked my grandparents but I I wasn't able to do that but if one of them had sat down and done what I just explained to you I'd still have it and it would have been read time after time after time so that's just an idea everybody can do that you know it sounds like it's a dawning task but it's just take it one step at a time first where were you born when were you born you know, how long does it take to do that? And then go on from there about your family and their background and things like that and just keep going until you finish it. And uh, anyway, that's my idea. That, that was wonderful. Isn't that good? Huh?
0: Thank you, Eddie, for sharing that. I was, uh, I was wondering if you were going to say something about your first kiss. But, it, you know, maybe we can talk afterwards. Wasn't that good, you know? And uh, I'm so glad you mentioned to put in some pictures with that. And I imagine you could write the whole thing like you're talking about, Eddie, or if you think that might be a little long, give them nuggets, you know, like the early years, and then kind of progress with it. And uh, you know what came to my mind? Do you remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about grandparents give a special blessing And what it meant, uh, like in the Old Testament, to give a blessing uh, where it was like words, a spoken word, or in this case, uh, a written word, where it placed great value upon the child and how it cast a special future for that child. Wouldn't that be neat to maybe with this document you're talking about, Eddie, to include in there your blessing for their lives. Wouldn't that be neat, huh? Oh, that's so good. Thank you, Eddie. Remember, your life experiences are greater than your inadequacies. Become the student, not the teacher. Let the grandchildren teach you. And so if you're a bit, maybe you have a sense of inadequacy at times, or you're maybe a bit apprehensive at times, kind of reverse the roles. I just think that's a great idea anyway, that uh, that you reverse the roles and allow them to be a teacher. And so maybe there's something you need to learn. Maybe there's something about all that technology that uh, you are apprehensive about. Guess what? They can probably teach you. It amazes me to look around and see these These children, barely big enough to walk, and they have some device in their hands already. You know, so there's some things that they could teach you. So you say, hey, show me. And hey, I would like to be able to text with you. If that's okay, can you show me how to do that? And uh, let them teach you. And wouldn't that be great for their sense of esteem? And their sense of being contributors and their sense of being needed, right? For Nani or Poppy to say, hey, I need you to teach me something. Teaching is mutual. Learning is mutual. Uh, I can learn from you, and I hope you can learn from me, right? I think so. I like that. Hey, and watch this, a little twist on it. As you allow them to teach you, watch this, You become a student of each one of your grandchildren. See, they're probably different, aren't they, some of them? Very different in ways, in terms of their interest, in terms of uh, uh, their stresses, in terms of their personalities. You become a student of each one of them, perhaps, as they teach you about the things that are of great interest uh, to them. And they're talking about uh, their lives. Let's see, sprint to the finish line here. Number five, busyness and a lack of availability. Well, when I first looked at that, I thought of me. I'm like, okay, as a grandparent, I struggle with busyness and a lack of availability. Uh, The author is really talking about their busyness and their lack of availability. Uh, Your children and grandchildren are, are busy people. You know they are, and sometimes... It can be hard to get your foot in the door, right? I mean, our young people, as they get older and older and move into adolescence, they are on the go, aren't they? And the research actually shows that. But you know what else the research shows is that our the millennials these days, and you know many of our grand, they have a greater sense of anxiety. That a lot of that busyness, that being on the go, that. Uh, How about this one i can remember going up to uh, an atm is that is that working is that work i can remember going up to an atm and putting in my card and asking for 20 dollars cash and it gave me 40 that was a sweet deal huh and i it it threw out a receipt and guess what the receipt had on it like adidas it's It didn't show $40. So I had $40 cash, and the documentation from the bank showed $20. Like I said, that was a sweet deal. I can remember another time. Oh, you want to know what I did about that, don't you? I kind of thought you might want to know. So I left that ATM, which happened to be in a public place, and I drove over to the bank and I went through the drive-thru. And I said, hey, I just pulled out $20, and it gave me 40 so I'm going to send you $20 cash. And I sent it to the bank teller. Guess what we talked about around the dinner table that evening? Honesty and integrity, and right? That's a teachable moment. I remember with my grandson, Caleb, we were driving over to Lowe's one day, and up under the cover of a, a building, a commercial building, we see a homeless man. And I'm like, Caleb, do you think we need to do something about that? It's a teachable moment. You just capture the moment. You either capture it or you don't. And uh, he was in agreement. We needed to do something. So we went. If I remember the story, it's testing my memory a little bit. I know we, I bought the homeless man like a biscuit. It was like breakfast time or something. But I think I bought Caleb a biscuit also. When we went through the drive through guess what? When we got to the homeless man and we took the package, he says, Give him my biscuit too. And we gave him both. That's a teachable moment, right? It's just a moment, but you teach life lessons. Seize seize the teachable moments. Create consistent times. So it may be that you set a time, it may be a certain night of the week you're gonna call the grandchildren. Uh, And I'm going to encourage you to pursue them. Don't wait on them to call you. You call them. You may be set consistent times. Enjoy what you get. Little bits matter. Yeah, they're busy, and you may have to enjoy and be thankful for what you get, but the little bits really do matter. You be faithful in that. And the one-minute grandparent. I'll give you this quickly because we've got something else to talk about. But uh, years ago, there was a book came out called The One-Minute Manager. I was in uh business world at the time. It was the first of the one-minute books. The one minute, So it was written to a business world. One-minute goal-setting, one-minute praisings, one-minute rep, uh, reprimands. Like in the business world, if you're managing people, one-minute goal-setting. One minute, goal setting. Here's what we expect. One minute, praising. Catch them doing something right. One minute, reprimand. Uh, When they don't meet expectations, you take a minute. You don't have to belabor it, but you let them know. And ever since then, you see all kinds of one minutes, don't you? You see the one-minute parent, the one-minute father, one-minute mother. I'm like, well, I had that idea, but you were the one that wrote the book. And... I'm sure there's the one-minute grandparent out there somewhere. And with your grandchildren, you let them know what's expected. If you're going to the mall or something, here's what I expect of you, behavior of you. And uh, one-minute praising, catch them doing something right and affirm what they're doing right. And yes, even as grandparents, there's a place for one-minute reprimands. That's not what I expect of you. We don't behave that way here, that sort of thing, right? You with me? I need to rush to the finish line here a bit more challenging uh, here for some of us perhaps we have unresolved conflict and that can be a real roadblock with your children and your grandchildren at times and sometimes the unresolved conflict is with your children and it becomes a barrier to your grandchildren you know what I mean and I'm, going, I'm just encouraging you, the best you can, you resolve that. I tell my students sometimes in a certain class I teach, some of you need to say thank you to your parents, and you haven't said it. You need to say it. But I also say to my students, some of you need to say I'm sorry. Some of you were, were rebellious during those teenage years. You put them through some really hard times, and you haven't said I'm sorry. Some of you need to say I'm sorry. And that's true with us as adults too, right? That some, some of us need to say thank you. Some of us may need to say I'm sorry. But um, we want to have a right attitude. We want to get through it. We want to change whatever that conflict is that becomes a barrier to being an influence in the life of our children and our grandchildren. Ask for and extend forgiveness. If you need to, ask for forgiveness. Always be willing to extend uh, forgiveness to them. Offer to make amends. Leave an open invitation. Always have an open invitation to resolving our conflicts, to reconciling with one another. Be open to any response and respect it. Uh, There's no guarantees. I can't guarantee you what their response will be if you say, I'm sorry, or if you say, forgive me, or you seek to reconcile a difference. And if at first you don't succeed, keep an open invitation. Let me say something real quickly. I know my time is up, is is this. And um, for some of us, perhaps, troubled waters might would be that we've had some conflicts over church and church differences and such. Uh, How would I say this to you? If you have a child who's a believer, they've obeyed the gospel. And they're seeking. You see them living lives of righteousness. But they're doing some things in a church, in a community of faith that's different than what you might would practice. You be very careful. You don't let those differences become a conflict between you and them. and become a barrier between you and your grandchildren. You with me? I'm here to tell you what they need to hear from you is the love of Christ and the grace of God. My confidence in my salvation is not in me, what I have done. It's what he has done. My confidence in my salvation is not in my rightness. It's in his rightness. You with me? There won't be any of us saved without grace. And that applies to some of your children and your grandchildren. If they are believers and seekers, even if they may be doing something that you would not do and you disagree with, you remain, listen to me, you remain a spiritual encourager in their lives. That all the days of their lives that they seek, they seek godliness and righteousness and how they live before God. You with me? You with me? Well, I don't have time for it, but I was going to close with the grandparents' prayer. Maybe we'll uh, make you a copy of that and share it with you next week or so. Hey, it's been great. Next week, we'll pick up with caregiving, okay? Thank you.